This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Onyx Hunt provides detailed, color-coded maps with public and private land ownership information. Onyx turns your phone into a fully functional GPS even when cell phone service is not available and gain the confidence to hunt new areas and states. Game wardens are using Onyx to make sure you are hunting in the right spot. Shouldn't you be using Onyx first? Start your free 7-day trial by visiting Google Play and the App Store. This is Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and I use Onyx. Wish you could fish more, anywhere, anytime. Rod Geeks, a St. Croix Rods partner, has developed a 42-inch one-piece travel rod designed and built with the same technology found in St. Croix Rods. This travel rod is offered as a kit that comes with the RG42 rod, spinning reel, fishing line, pliers, and tackle tray. All in a case with space for your wallet, phone, and fishing license. Just grab and go. Perfect to keep in your pickup, car, or RV. This shorty performs much like a longer rod, but is compact enough for easy storage and for on-the-go use. Make this the summer you fish more. RodGeeks.com Guidefitter is the industry network for professional outdoor guides and outfitters the trusted destination for consumers seeking and sharing guided hunting and fishing experiences of a lifetime, and the enterprise influencer marketing platform for outdoor brands. Guidefitter and its members represent the pulse of the guided hunting and fishing industry. Guidefitter's outdoor partners provide discounts to select types of outdoor professionals, including game wardens, members of the military, guides, outfitters, and other outdoor professionals. Over 145 brand partners and counting. Gear across many categories, including packs, footwear, clothing, flashlights, knives, optics, even firearms and ammo. For more information, go to guidefitter.com slash wardenswatch. That's wardenswatch, all one word. I'm game warden Wayne Saunders, and I'm a member of Guidefitter. This podcast is brought to you by Maine 
Operation Game Thief. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from Game Wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves Game Wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. Welcome to the Warden's Watch Black Friday podcast special. And I couldn't think of a better interview to do than Guidefitter, because every day is Black Friday at Guidefitter. If you're an outdoor professional and you qualify for the discounts, they are extremely deep discounts for extremely high quality products at Guidefitter. So check it out. Go to guidefitter.com slash warden's watch. That's warden's watch, all one word to check it out. And Brian Coons, the president and CEO of Guidefitter, is the interview today. Guidefitter is a partner in wildlife law enforcement. They are assisting international wildlife crime stoppers, both financially by doing, you'll talk about some data they collected through a survey that they sent out to their members, which was very interesting. And it, it just uh, resonates the, the feeling that we have as well. So it's very interesting and a very cool interview. Guidefitter is a very cool company. They are a very awesome company that assists us in what we do every day with equipment at discount prices. And we assist those manufacturers by wearing their stuff. Because if it's high quality, that's what the kind of stuff that outdoor professionals, game wardens want to wear. So check it out. Listen to this podcast. Every day is a Black Friday at Guide Fitter. Hope you enjoy. I met Brian about a year ago. He's one of my sponsors on my podcast, one of the first sponsors. And has helped take Warden's Watch up a notch, which, uh, you know, I'm going to say right off, Brian, I want to get this out of the way. Thank you, because, you know, your internet, your social media connections, I think, you know, helped uh, slingshot Warden's Watch up there right away. You're very welcome. It's been been really awesome to see the growth so far, so very welcome. And, and the relationship with game wardens and outdoor people, whether you're a normal hunter, fisher, whether you're a guide, you know, I certainly think guides, I think, would like to listen to Warren's Watch to see what their their money is going to, so to speak, when they buy their tags and go, portion goes to law enforcement. So they get a feeling of what they're getting for their money on, on the inside. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, you know, game wardens are a big part of the overall hunting and conservation ecosystem, of which guides and outfitters are also a part. So I'm sure that they're you know very interested in what you have to say. Yeah, and, and you're kind of the segue with equipment to get these guys outfitted correctly with high-quality equipment, and uh, you you outfit the sport with high-quality guides. That's right. That's right. Where'd you get that idea from? Because that's, you know, I, I think about that. That's genius, and I, I wish I had thought about it before the podcast, but you were way ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I've in my professional career, I'm, I'm kind of a, an oddball because I've there aren't many 
people that uh, are engaged in software and internet marketing and so on, like I've been in my whole career, that also love to hunt and fish. You know, my Silicon Valley friends kind of look cross-eyed at me. Yeah, most of them are playing video games, aren't they? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> video games or, or, you know, snow skiing. But uh, uh. Uh, so I've been doing software and internet stuff my entire career. And it was about, I don't know, gosh, eight or nine years ago now, six years ago, I've lost track of time. My brother and I uh, were talking about going on our first guided archery elk hunt in Montana. We're typical East Coasters, you know, from Pennsylvania or Maryland that dream about going out to the Rocky Mountains and all that. And so when we were talking about... I hear you. I'm one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And uh, we started Googling around to try to, you know, get educated about what would this guided hunt be. And we realized that there really wasn't a good go-to website, you know, where you could learn all about this. The problem was there were like 10,000 websites, outfitter websites or associations. And so, you know, long story short was the original idea was, well, let's, why don't I just try to make a really awesome searchable website with every guide and outfitter in the world was kind of the original big idea. And so that's kind of how we got started. You know, I've been doing a bunch of internet search and my other job for, you know, folks like Yahoo and AOL and other types of companies where we ran more like automotive and real estate search components of their website. So I thought, oh, I could do that for guides and outfitters. Really the, the original idea was let's just, uh, start going out there scouring the world to try to find you know where all these guys are because it's the the guiding industry is very fragmented mm-hmm. and you know some and, and i understand that because some of the guides i've met are pretty fly by night uh, you know, they get a guide's license one year and uh they get in trouble and they're gone the next so yeah i mean it, it, is, it is it's a very diverse industry full of you know a whole bunch of characters but you're right i mean you've got a lot of folks and, I know. and on the other end i will say you have the very extreme high quality guides that do everything right oh so. uh, yeah sure right i mean you've got you know you've got your full-time all the time high-end sheep hunters mm. and sheep sheep guides and outfitters and you know, very high dollar you got some major lodges because we're also on the fishing side you know as well right right um and you're right we think always hunting hunting but fishing's a huge part oh, yeah. of the industry and, and my wife would go fishing but she won't go hunting so we yeah. spent our honeymoon in british columbia salmon fishing so yeah i think i i think the stats are there's even more money spent on fishing than hunting because you're just reaching a broader population you know wow but um yeah i kind of lost track of the question there <laughs> <laughs> so how, how you you started grouping all these people together oh, right, yeah that seems like a massive undertaking to me to just it's like herding cats is what, what i would think you know yeah. to start yeah, I mean, it's, you know, fortunately, given, given my career, I, you know, I've noticed some software people. I'm, I'm not allowed to touch software code. I'm not a developer, but, <laughs> but I know plenty of people who are Apparently way, way smarter than I am at, at that. And so I just got a, you know, a group of them together and, and kind of on the side was really a side project. And mm-hmm. we just started building out a database and then had a, you know, me and a couple other folks were. So you started reaching out electronically to these guides and outfitters? Yeah, just, tra- yeah, you can find lists of them. You can. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there is no single silver bullet, you know, we right, started going no. to some trade oh, shows. I, I'm learning that, believe me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that just sort of grew over time, you know, has grown over time. Now we have relationships with outfitter associations and we, we kind of work through them to reach their members, mm. um, you know, things like that. So it's it's really probably 30 different ways and sources that we've identified all these people. So so where are you at today with that? I mean, how many outfitters, guides do you, you represent well, there's fitter. there's about thirteen thousand outfitters that represent about forty to fifty thousand guides um, that nice. are kind of in our universe so far, mm-hmm. um, and then um, that that original idea of just building a really good search engine on top of the the guides and outfitters, it just sort of grew from there. And I, I wish I could say we were you know geniuses and had the 
the idea for our core business back then. We didn't. We kind of stumbled into it, which is it turns out that when you have a really large network of these guides and outfitters, that that ends up being, you know, some very interesting and valuable to brands that want to know who these people are. Because the way we look at the guides and outfitters, they are the professional athletes in this sport, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, every brand like Nike and Under Armour, they want to find the professional athletes in football and other team sports right. and all that. And this is a very extreme sport that yeah, that I, no I don't kidding. think, you know, hasn't really been paid enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Like there are tens of thousands of small businesses out there that are employing people, you know, other an additional tens and tens of thousands of people in the form of guides and cooks and skinners and trackers and all that stuff. And no one's really looked at it, I, I don't believe, as an industry full of these professional athletes. And so, you know, it turned out that we had this network that was growing and it started getting the attention of some brands like Canatrek, a really amazing boot company up in Bozeman, Montana, mm-hmm. and uh, Carl Zeiss Sport Optics. And these, these companies that had these guide programs where they want, they want to ensure those pro athletes are using their gear, right. getting, you know, getting hands on it. Because if you're a client that's booked to hunt with a guide and you're standing there with your you know, $50 pair of binoculars that have served you well back east, and then the, the guide hands you his pair of Victory 10 by 42 Zeisses, right. and he says, look through these, mm-hmm. you know, your mind is blown. You're like, I want those if that's good enough for the guide. Right. And I get that as a game warden all the time because the, the sportsman wants to know, hey, what are you using? Hey, hey what do you got? Yeah, you know, right. And, you know, what... what you are using in the outdoors consistently is what I want to use because a I want to be part of that you know because it's like a team effort you know we're all wearing the same thing or you know hey that's the best product to have because you know most wardens spend their own money on it and yeah they, they want the best of the best if they if they got to just spend their money on it or either that they get the cheap of the cheap so well and come on any, any, it goes to either red and all, and all of us that love to hunt and fish we all we're all gear junkies we all get gear oh, envy you're no we doubt. can buy you know we can get stoked about the backpack we by until <laughs> until we see the guy that has the better one you know, we're right. like, wait a minute where'd you get that, that so, that's right and you're yeah. off to the better pack yeah i know. think i've got five backpacks and you know it's just anyway it's yeah no yeah. totally totally understand so yeah. but that's 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 a pretty cool niche that developed through that because now you're giving you know fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Vetting people, guides and everything, and connecting them to outdoor companies that can brand things through the guides and outfitters. So that, that's, that's a pretty awesome solution. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, um, it's a lot more genuine way for these brands to, to market their products, right? Mm. If, you're a brand, if you're a brand in any category, cosmetics, fashion, whatever, you can go out and hire the, you know, the super famous people. And there's still a role for that, for sure. You can do a TV show, you can do whatever. But you know, if you can find that guide, let's say, or that game warden that relies on that gear every mm. single day to do their jobs, they beat the crap out of their boots. They, you yes. know, whatever, whatever it is, right? Their, um, their packs, their apparel, whatever. And that guy says something positive, and he says, "I don't know what I would do without this fill-in-the-blank product because mm-hmm. it serves me months of time." You know, I'm up and down the mountain, and that is way more genuine than whatever some paid endorser or 
right. or the brand itself, right? We all we're all Amazon mm-hmm. shoppers now. We know to ignore whatever the brand says and go down to the reviews, right? <laughs> so it's similar. And then you got to wonder about that sometime. You know, you have to have a yeah. certified purchaser underneath <laughs> right, there. Right. So yeah, right. <laughs> the problem is the problem in the guiding industry is, you know, maybe until us, but no one's really had a good way to reach them. No one really knows who they are. Like who's, mm. you know, if I said, Hey, list out some of the best major league baseball players. Most people, if they follow the sport, right. Could quickly list all. If I said, name me the top three elk guides in Wyoming. Oh, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mostly get what I'm hearing now. It's silence. Right. I don't know. I'm sure there are the top three elk guides by what mm. criteria, you know, it's not their batting score, right. But it's by something. And so that's one of the things we're trying to do too, is, you know, we really want to find who are the, who are the, best of the best out there, you know, and, and what do they think about things? What do they think about gear? What do they think about right. industry? What do they think about things like grizzly bear delisting or all kinds of things that, that are out there, you know, cause those yeah. are the guys that are in it every day. And yeah, you're right. The guys in the field are always, you should get that information from them. Yeah. You know, uh, shed hunters, you know, hunters, fishermen, they are out there doing it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we lose touch with people that are actually doing it. So that's why they do creel surveys to talk to, you know, the actual fishermen and what they're catching and how they're catching. And, you know, we, we take all the data from hunting and then we compile all that. But, you know, what people are seeing, and, and we have diaries too that we issue out to hunters too, what they're seeing out there is huge, important data that we're collecting and that's basically what you're collecting on a different yeah a different level yeah, yeah. On a different level so yeah. uh that's pretty interesting and you got a kind of a connection a childhood friend that uh, is actually a game warden huh yeah yeah uh grew up with i grew up in a little town called clear spring maryland and actually where i lived was i think 10 miles from the actual town of clear spring we had one stoplight and we got our first mcdonald's i think shortly before i went to college so but anyway uh yeah my high school friend uh, brian albert was a warden there in um in Maryland. And I think he's since retired, but, uh, it was through Brian that I learned about the IWC and, mm. and he introduced me to, uh, to Lewis. And IWC is international wildlife crime stoppers of which I've been a part of and still a part of. And Brian's a part of, and, uh, you know, uh, Lewis is our executive director, Lewis rather. And, uh, yeah, that, that was quite a connection to, to, to have you come in and, and have you become part of the IWC and you had a meeting with Lewis. Yeah, yeah, he came up. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas, and Lewis lives out in Fredericksburg, not too far away. And so we had lunch about a year and a half or so ago, and you know he explained the mission of the IWC and its connection to, to wardens and everything. And and I learned a lot about organizations like Operation Game Thief and mm. what that really is and how it's related but different than fish and game departments and things right. like that. And so it just sort of clicked for me, and it seemed like an organization we wanted to be a part of and support and. So I went up to the Ohio meeting last year and, and spoke at that meeting. And, you know, it's just, I learned so much about what it's like to be a game warden. I had no idea. You know, my, my vision of a game warden, I have to think, is like what most people think, which is make sure you got your license, mm. make sure you're not carrying a loaded weapon in a car. You know, I had no idea the scope of the law enforcement with, you know, drug enforcement and just, you know, all the, what I would call off-pavement law enforcement. And I didn't realize that game wardens, you know, have the the same or arguably even more authority than, than, you know, regular police officers. So I just, my mind was really open to, to all that. And uh, it was something we wanted to continue to be a part of this year. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And it's, it, you're right. And it, it's programs like, you know, this podcast, uh, 
a Northwoods Law, a Lone Star Law that, that are opening a lot of people's eyes to, to what a game warden is. Because, you know, I think probably 30 years ago, there was a lot more contact with the game warden. And I think less and less as people gravitate towards cities and they lose contact. They love the outdoors. They love being in the outdoors. They forget who the police in the woods are. And I think we're, we're trying to reconnect. I'm trying to reconnect people. I'm trying to, you as guide fitter, as a catalyst to the guide's to IWC to to bring in membership from those good guys that want to stop poaching to become members of IWC. You know what what a great catalyst, a, a liaison to that whole industry that I, I don't think we've had before. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's, it's, it, I think it's a natural connection, and uh, yeah, I, you know, with the poaching side of things, one of the other reasons that you know I think I think Lewis and Brian and, and everyone at that Ohio meeting did did a great job um, getting me more excited about being a part of this is when I think about poaching, it's, you know, it's, it's not just breaking the law that I don't think many people understand that there is a whole control system here. There's a whole system of wildlife management. And you were mentioning collecting numbers on, you know, creel studies mm. for fishing and, and the hunting stats and all that. It's a, it's, it's like a big scientific, a ongoing scientific study every year, right? Managing populations, managing disease and, and collecting those stats. Saving land. Saving land, right. All know, the habitat side of things. Getting so access that, to land. But, you know, within that big pie chart that I see, they keep forgetting law enforcement. Right, right. You know? Well, yeah. when, someone, when someone goes in and starts poach, poaching away, which means you're not collecting the stats, you're getting in the way of the herd management and all that, it kind of screws up the system. You mm-hmm. know? And it's, so it's another way to look at it. And that screws it up for everyone. Right. So. Yep. So, because, you know, Lewis always says, you know, at the end of the day, if you preserve all the land and you do all the biology, you know, what do you have if you don't have law enforcement? You have a bunch of dead animals, right. you know, right. and that, right. that, that's part of it. You know, the states, you know, certainly employ game wardens. We're employing less and less from what I've seen. You know, to balance budgets, they take three game warden positions away, you know, and yet they saddle more responsibility because as people outdoor recreate and gravitate away from hunting to go to search and rescue and things like that, oh, we'll use the game wardens, but yet we're reducing their numbers. So, you know, that's one of my my, my passions is to, to to get out and let the politicians know let the people know that we need to get more game wardens we need to, to boost our numbers not not less than them so yeah well i mean that you know what you just touched on is something we recently learned um, that is a hot hot issue with, mm. with, with the guide and outfitting yeah community let's, let's go right into that survey because that was awesome that you did that survey and that you have the tools to do that with is is pretty impressive brian yeah we if you could explain all that that would be awesome yeah we learned a lot so um you know, we were, we, I knew that I was coming back out to the IWC here. Um, we're in beautiful Lake Tahoe. Mm. And um, we, I thought about what could we talk about? What could we share with the IWC community based on, you know, the size of our network? And so for the first time, I think it's the first time this has ever been done. I'm not sure. I have to check that. But we issued a survey out to about 10,000 uh, members in our network, guides and outfitters, professional hunting and fishing guides and outfitters. And got over 500 responses back, which I think is pretty good for a survey. Yeah, no, busy. I think that's, that's, that's on the good side of a survey numbers, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And we asked them a bunch of questions about poaching and game laws, their experience with reporting violations. Um, you know, uh, do they view game officers as friend or foe? You know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then, and then just ask them to freeform share their thoughts about these topics. And we, we learned a lot. And, you know, as we were, you were mentioning the, the decreased numbers of game officers, the number one piece of feedback we received was concern about the lack of of manpower on uh, on the game warden side of things so and this came up in multiple different ways you know we asked one question that said 
do you believe your local fish and game and, and, you know, your game wardens are doing a good job managing local resources. And in general, the over, you know, the, the sentiment was, yeah, we do. We think they're doing a great job for the numbers they have. Right. But numerous States, and we got a diverse set of responses back from, you know, all the States yeah, from the East coast to the from West east coast, coast, West coast, some in, South, in Kentucky, North. Iowa. And it was pretty universal that, yeah, there aren't enough of you guys out there. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of them blamed state, you know, budget cutbacks. Uh, we heard that in Wisconsin. We heard that in New York, uh, especially. Um, and then some just sort of generally referenced to budget cutbacks. Yeah. But that was the number. It was interesting to me. And you, know? you had a personal experience here in Lake Tahoe. You ran into somebody and you had that discussion. Yeah, that's share right. that because I, I found that interesting as well because I understand it. So Yeah, we were, uh, was, was hiking up uh, around Eagle Lake here and kind of coming down. We. I learned that you have to get up early to, to sightsee in Tahoe to avoid all the tourists. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's try- beautiful, but a lot of people come see it, huh? Yeah, yeah. If you if you go out hiking at around noon, and the the real game is not to hit pedestrians <laughs> who are parked on the side of the road. But uh, uh. anyway, I was coming down out of the hike, and there was a an employee from uh, U.S. Forest Service who was just kind of servicing all of the little parking areas and collecting the permits and so on. Struck up a conversation with her, and she wondered why I was in town. I mentioned the IWC and game wardens and so on. And she said, yeah, she's like, you know, I, I have horses, and I go up into the, to the backcountry here, and I run across poachers, like little poaching camps from time to time. And she referenced there was a Yeti cooler full of squirrels and, you know, all kinds of things. And she right. said, you know, I put a call into Nevada Fish and Game and try to get the game wardens, and I just, I, you know, I guess they're busy with other things. I don't know. And she was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when I was thinking about the survey that we did, though, it kind of got me thinking, it's probably just because it's just such a large territory to cover with so few game wardens. Absolutely. You know, with other things going on and, you know. Yeah, prioritize. When we have a search and rescue mission, you know, we leave one guy back to cover calls. Yeah. You know, one guy for eons of miles. It's, it's, it's insane that, you know, but we have to put all our resources into that. So we have one guy covering calls. And I've had game wardens go hunting, finding violations and make those calls and days later get a response i understand where you know exactly what she she's understanding too and it's it's lack of us absolutely right there's not enough of us to 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 do the job that we need to do and do it right so we do the best we can with what we have but now the public is starting to see that you know that girl saw that yeah you know the the wardens that hunt in other areas are seeing that i'm hoping that you know some politicians will see it some you know somebody that can help do this unfortunately with with my you know, my history i always see that you know really bad incidents happen to happen before action is taken yeah well i i was you know surprised i guess because the survey you know you you might think that guides outfitters and it kind of gets into their relationships with game wardens a little bit but the fact that they who maybe sometimes are on the other side of the table as a game warden depending on you know what they're up to um, that their number one concern was that there aren't enough of you, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that they see that as an important part of preserving their livelihood. You know, when, when they see someone out poaching trophy whitetail in the Midwest and that's a trophy whitetail that you've been nurturing and so on, and you got your clients coming in this fall and you wanted to legally s- harvest that. Exactly. And then you, you know, or uh, illegal baiting station, whatever it might be. Yeah. And they're like, why aren't there more game? Or, you know, so right. I think they see it as a, as a really, uh, you know, a key component of their livelihood. So no, absolutely, and and it's good that they're starting to comprehend that because we we see it. You yeah, know, we see it, and we're trying to do something about it. And you know, squeaky wheels get get oil. 
Yeah. So the more we squeak, hopefully the more numbers that will come, bring us back to what we used to be in the 70s. You know, we used to, New Hampshire used to be 50 strong. We're down to like below 40. Oh. Uh, you know, we're not even holding on to our numbers. We're losing. Huh. So it's yeah. just, um, yeah. So, but that, that survey was uh, very eye-opening, I think, to, to all of us. And maybe it wasn't a surprise to most of us, but it, it's great to know that those guides see the same thing that we're seeing. Yeah. You know, well, and in fact, you know, the number, so that was the number one issue was the, the lack of, of game warden numbers. The number two issue was they were concerned that we need higher penalties for poaching. Mm. Um, there was comments from Wyoming about why, why, why just give people a slap on the wrist? Uh, you know, again, it was not just concentrated out West or the Midwest. It was all across the United States. The general sentiment, number two issue from the survey was we need higher penalties for poaching. Some were proposing their own penalties, like a tiered system based on repeated offense. Um, you know, I mentioned that there was even one guy from Texas that said every poacher should be strung up at the courthouse. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little extreme. I but, love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being from Texas, I get that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just, again, once again, I think that that's pretty interesting that that, that was the number two issue. And all, most of these came from the freeform comments from the guys in the outfitters where we just asked, what else is on your mind? And this was the number two issue that was on their mind. Wow. No, that, that, that's great that they think that we should increase because we think we should increase as well. So it's just uh, the one thing that I will tell you that is probably the best thing in the world we do other than fines is we take licenses away. You can no longer purchase a license for so long. And that gives, you know, fines, if you find a rich guy, it really doesn't affect him as much as a poor right. guy. But you take that rich guy's license away and he can't hunt anywhere in the United States or Canada because of his violation. I, I mean, they come unglued. They, 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 that's, that's something that they can't pay for, but it puts them on the same lo level as the guy that can barely afford to go hunting. Yeah. So he's, I, I he, he has the same thing to lose. And I didn't know there was, is there some sort of reciprocity with Canada? I we have know. a, we have a compact. Yes. Huh. Between the United States and I believe almost all the States, there may be 48 States now, I believe Massachusetts is the last one that's not on the compact that if they have a violation violated in another state or province. Yes, Canada's on board. That is the same violation in another state. Um, then you can't do something in that state. You can't purchase a license. I did not so, know that. So, and I'll give the example, like if it's baiting's illegal in your state and you get a ticket for illegally baiting wildlife. So you lose your license for a year in New Hampshire. So if there's another state that has a similar law, they will suspend your license as well. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. But there are some states that don't. New Jersey comes to mind that re they actually encourage baiting because they're trying to draw the deer off from where they are to, to reduce their number. So that state doesn't have a similar law, so they wouldn't revoke your license. But if you think of big game laws, all of us have illegal night hunting, uh, closed season. Um, a lot of those big popular laws are across the board, Canada and the U.S. So for those big violations, they, they lose the licenses and they lose it not just in the, the jurisdiction they violated, huh. but everywhere. 
Yeah, I, I had. I wonder. Wonder if most of the rest of the hunting public knows that. I well, mean. if they listen to my podcast, yeah, they will, right, won't they? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll probably bring that up in a few others because you know that that whole concept started with International Wildlife Crime Stoppers at the beginning. So mm. as they formed back in the '80s, is that concept started and built off of this association. So it's it's quite an achievement that all the states got together and that we were be able to build. And now that we're at, we're at the end, I think the only one that I'm really familiar with is Massachusetts doesn't doesn't play ball within that compact. Mm. But um, everybody else does, and it puts everybody, no matter rich or poor, you're on the same platform. So and that that makes me feel better because you know for the for the rich guy he doesn't you know he writes a check big deal okay yeah, I'm, right. I'm off and running right. he can probably still go to Africa even though he lost his license in the United States right. but you know for the little guy he, he's on the same level he's mm. going to have the same violation the same penalty you know the fine's probably going to hurt him a lot more but it's the license that hurts the guy that has the money yeah right. So. Well, listen up, Massachusetts. Wayne's putting you on notice. You uh, a, absolutely. Line, and and they are line. trying. Their, their fishing game department has been very close numerous times trying to get through the legislature because it takes a legislative act uh. for the state or the province to sign on board. So now it's, 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 it's neat to see. We have a map that actually gets colored in. And there, there used to be that big red one in the middle, and now it's colored. You mm. know, And mm-hmm. just, I think, Massachusetts. New Jersey might be right there, too. I haven't seen the, the latest stats. But uh, you know, the next podcast, I think I'll have to come out with latest latest stats or we'll have to talk about the compact with somebody who's still involved with it i know uh, rob young who's here was one of the founding members of iwc was uh strategically involved uh, bob thompson from colorado again strategically involved with this compact and a lot of other people that have come and gone have you know participated in it but it's it's been an awesome thing for north america to do that because we put poachers on notice that you yeah. lose your license so and, and for that matter you know when it's your livelihood the guides and oh, the yeah. outfitters that's serious isn't it oh yeah yeah very serious yeah, yeah. so you, you you lose your livelihood yeah so and that's that's no good so that's an encouragement to do the right thing yeah yeah no that's true so, um there was a one other thing that I think was interesting that came out of the survey, especially as it's since we're on Warden's Watch, mm. um, was related to how the guides and the outfitters view their relationships with wardens. And I thought it was very interesting because there were a lot of several different components of that that all got woven together. And I think the best way to summarize it is guides and the outfitters view themselves as a key piece of the big picture. You know, they're not just hunting. They're part of conservation. They're part of law enforcement. A lot of them, uh, since they mentioned the lack of, of game officers in the field or the dwindling numbers as a, the number one concern, they viewed themselves as, you know, boots on the ground. In some cases, they are more the kind of the first responders or the, you know, the, 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 the on the front lines was the, the comment. The eyes and ears yeah, in the woods. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they want it, they, they seem like the sentiment seemed to be from the survey that they, they want to feel that way and they feel a sense of responsibility to know the laws and educate their clients. And, and as a game warden, I want them to feel that way. Exactly. I need them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, and then the other comment that kind of came in was some of them felt that, but sometimes, you know, we feel like it's, guilty until proven innocent or, mm-hmm. or we're being unfairly targeted. And what about the local resident? You know, why, why are you targeting me? And mm-hmm. so, and, and I thought that was interesting. And we talked about game wardens attitudes and so on, but there was a, a point that was made in, um, as I was presenting this the other day to the IWC, um, I believe it was Chris from Maine. I, I forget who exactly, so it was a warden from Maine. I forget exactly who it was, but brought up an excellent point. I thought, which is a counterpoint to that, which is 
look, it's important that any hunter that that gets stopped or gets checked out understands that there is a difference between us doing our jobs and being thorough mm-hmm. and assuming that you're guilty until proven innocent. You know, there's a there's a big difference there. And I think his point was an excellent point that is a counterpoint to to what came out of the survey that, you know, you guys as wardens have a job to do, you know, and you're going to have to do that job no matter what. And don't mistake that for assuming someone did something wrong just because you're being thorough. So I just thought that was an interesting point that came up. And and, and I understand that and being thorough sometimes becomes officious. And, you know, uh, me and the, the Colonel of New Hampshire, we used to work together a lot. And we, we had we worked together so much that we understood each other's how we thought. And his job was to keep their attention and have the nice conversation as the, the young warden went and looked and was the official guy going through here and there, pulling the beer cans out of the vehicle and the loaded guns and this and that. And, you know, every time I found something, I'd set it off to the side and, you know, they'd look back and he'd, he'd he grabbed their attention again and was about something else and yeah and at the end we had violations here that we had to address and we try to address them in that same way but right. you know i was the official guy or officious being you know boom 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 and he was the nice and friendly guy and would switch on and off you know because it, it you know to be the official guy all the time kind of sucks so you were the so, official bad cop i was the guy really <laughs> and i loved it i loved it you know i love you know look you just look in a window there's a beer can on the floor you got you know you know, whose is this? Oh, it's mine. And then the colonel would ask him another question and he'd be focused on the colonel and I'd set that off to the mm-hmm. side and, mm-hmm. you know, things on that. So, but the good guy that doesn't have the beer gets the same treatment. Right. right so, right. but since I don't find anything that he doesn't, sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. Because hopefully their focus is there. I don't so, care. Yeah. And it's, it's technique, exa- you know, you're right. You, you hit a, you hit a good point because they don't care. They're legal. Right. They're all set. Mm-hmm. Go check my truck. Yeah. Please. There's no deers in the back. There's no blood. Open that, that cooler. Please, warden, look. Thank you for looking. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you don't have that problem, you don't have the swivel head. I used to call it swivel head. Always looking back, looking back. <laughs> you know, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he? What, you know, is he going to find that beer? Is he going to find that? You know, grouse stuffed under my seat. Is he? You know, what, what's he looking? He's going to find the blood on the tailgate. You know, it's it's a swivel head where the guy you know that's relaxed totally. Oh, no, go ahead, look at my truck. You know, you know, it's a lock. Oh, here's the keys. You know, I'll unlock it for the you. A grouse stuffed under a seat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming that you have stories about creative ways oh, in which people I, I, hide. I've got so many stories. That's why I love this show. <laughs> my stories just just keep coming out you know oh so yeah so that's that's one stuff uh it, it, spruce grouse are, are protected in northern new hampshire and uh every now and then we come across them so and they, they look a little bit differently their meat's a little purpley so all those types of things so and their feathers are very identifiable and yeah you know, sometimes you find one stuffed under the seat or the, the best part is when they see you they stop right away oh warden i got something for you you know where I don't think it was ever intended because it was in with the other grouse and, you know, oh, I've been looking for you all day. Mm-hmm. Really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have phones. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, it's you know, and, and those are the, the opportunists, you know. Yeah. They, they, they found an opportunity. Was it an accident or not? Are they going to report the accident? And that's the thing, you know, the, some people, they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's how you deal with that mistake is how we deal with you generally. Right, right. And, and I, I think that the, the guides and the outfitters based on the survey – feel the same way right right how you deal with us is how we view you you guys feel the same way on the opposite on the opposite side so it's, right yeah and different personalities just like we're ta- chatting here there's other guys with personalities that aren't very talkative that are, are a little more officious that probably still do a good job but they're just personalities are different and sometimes they're taken differently right so I, the, the survey was great because I think it's, it's, it's very reflective of what's, what's going on out there, the problems, um, the different intricacies. And it gives us an opportunity to talk about them to kind of explain the warden side. Yeah. And, and I, get, I get 
their side too. Is it ever going to change? Probably not. Yeah. Well, I think I think the overall the good news in the survey is that big picture it's very clear from reading the comments again from all over the country from from the guides and the outfitters that it, it in general there's a very positive attitude to how they view you know game wardens and conservation and it's kind of like hey guys we're all in this together in some way we're shape, on the or same form. team we're on yes. the same team we heard that in the comments mm-hmm. and. And they want to help. They want to be the right. boots on the ground and all that. So awesome. You know, I think it's just the few. It, it's it's interesting because from looking at the comments and the conversations we had yesterday, you know, the few bad apples on the guide side spoil it for everyone. The few bad apples on the game warden side can spoil it for everyone. And that's just we're all human, right? That's, that's just, that that's exactly yeah. right. But yeah. it, it's good to have good solid players on your team. We're one set of eyes and ears. And when we have people like that on our team, we get good information to, to get those bad guys. Cause without that, we're pretty ineffective. I, I think, you know, we saw in some of the stats through this conference that we're at uh, 1% of poaching is what we know about game well, wardens. 1%. Yep. yep. Un- 1%. That's insane. You know, we need other eyes and ears out there to, so we can up that, you know, so we can get to the 10%. So, and without the guides, the outfitters, the good hunters, we're, we're going to fail. Yeah. So. That, and that's got to be frustrating. If you're a wildlife biologist working for a particular state and you're trying to make sense of everything and come up <laughs> with a good game management plan, right? you know, and 99% of, there, there's a whole big data set you're not even aware of because... Right of the one percent problem, right? And it's, exactly, you're guessing at some of, of these management. And when, when law enforcement is taken out of that formula of managing population of wild animals, when they forget about that law enforcement factor, they they, they forget about the whole program. Because you're right, because they can biologize all they want. I love that word. <laughs> I don't think it is a word, but I like it. <laughs> I, think I, I, I think I might use it. I'm not sure. I'll give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know with, without us you know it fails and without them it fails for us too yeah that, that's why it, you're right it's it's a scientific formula general public's got to remember so i've seen graphs from you know uh, non-profit organizations that do a lot for the wildlife that their graphs don't show law enforcement in it mm-hmm. so that's my goal to show law enforcement within there you know we save so much property you know we've given so much you know money to do this we we have our own biologists working on this and you know we have this big graph and this is where all our money's going and this is how we're going to be successful and then where's law enforcement right are you going to law for oh that's the state's problem no it's no it's your problem too because right, right. we're getting less and less game wardens right so with the less and less game wardens you have less and less animals to help manage because let's face it, we wouldn't have those organizations if the states could do the job without those organizations. That makes sense. You yeah, know, that's true. Those they wouldn't exist. The, the Elk Foundation, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, wouldn't exist. Pheasants Forever wouldn't exist. Uh, the Grouse Society wouldn't exist because they they want to save this special animal, and I do too. Every stinking one of them, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. you yeah. Know. If you're preserving uh, two hundred thousand acres of elk habitat, uh, we should probably factor in the you know, the state of the poaching on that habitat or, or whatever. Right. Absolutely. So become members of International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. Become sp- supporters so they can support that. And that that's my mission. So I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to keep preaching it. So no, we're the mission. And you're, you're a helpful catalyst because you're on board. You're, Definitely. You're your you're IWC strategic partner. And uh, that, that means a lot. It means a lot to us, Brian, that somebody like you with your skill set can come in and help, help because we, we need the help. 
we need the guides, we need the outfitters, we need the, the Brian Coons of this world to facilitate the catalyst between them. So, well, I, every time I come to one of these, I learn something. So it's 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 been very helpful and eye opening for me. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, and I appreciate you taking your time out. I know it's very valuable, and I I've had a great interview and i'm enjoying it thank you for your support for warden's watch we'll continue informing people and letting them know and uh, building those relationships and understandings i think between game wardens and sportsmen and other uh, people that that make money out of the outdoors in the wilderness uh you know i just think it's good to have those people on our team the good guys sounds great okay. thanks for inviting me hey take care take care Ryan. don't forget to check out guidefitter.com slash warden's watch that's guidefitter.com slash warden's watch, all one word. Thanks for listening. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public, and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.